1: The answer. The, yes, indeed it is. Thank you so much for joining us. The, it's past 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, the seventh morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2019. Thanks again to Joel Gilbert for coming on. Coming up in about a half an hour, Dr. Jerome Corsi going to join us for a couple of reasons. Number one, he is working with a company that could have the wall problem solved. That's right. An answer to our southern border wall without costing another nickel other than what has already been put forth for that border security uh, that uh, the president has already been able to obtain. Uh, we will also talk to him about his status as a political prisoner. That's right. he is uh His latest book and another bestseller is Silent No More, How I Became a Political Prisoner of Mueller's Witch Hunt, which he was. So that's coming up at 935. But for this half hour, I want to focus more on the whistleblower, whose name is Eric Charamella. He is a Joe Biden crony. He is a Barack Obama lackey. He is a John Brennan flunky. He is all of the above, and he is a part of the deep state that has been attempting to impeach Donald Trump literally from the very beginning. He is represented by an attorney whose name is Mark Zaid. Mark Zaid tweeted, and this was just uncovered yesterday. Mark Zaid tweeted in January of 2017 that the coup is underway, or rather, the coup has started declaring that Donald Trump will indeed be impeached. This is their mission. This is their goal. It was from day one. And if you think this is just no or are just doing our jobs. We we found out about this Ukraine phone call from a whistleblower who was genuinely concerned about uh, the country, and, and now we have to follow this. No, quite to the contrary. This has been their plan from the beginning, as the attorney representing the whistleblower stated in uh, in January. Let me get a few things here. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, writing for USA Today, who, by the way, is going to be appointed, I think, and I think the rumors have been that he's going to be appointed to the Intelligence Committee by uh, Minority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy so that he can be a part of these Intelligence Committee hearings, which is extraordinarily important, by the way. Congressman Jordan wrote for USA Today in part in very clear terms. Six weeks, these are all facts. These are indisputable. Six weeks ago, Adam Schiff, the chair of the Intelligence Committee, said that the quote-unquote whistleblower, and that term, by the way, has been completely bastardized. Absolutely, it is inaccurate in this uh, this case. Because there is no whistleblower in a case like this with the clear partisan bias that he has uh, presented and he is known to have. But at any rate, here's what Jordan wrote. Six weeks ago, Schiff said a, quote, whistleblower, or the, quote, whistleblower, would testify. He has now changed his mind. What happened in the interim? Just two things. We learned the individual had met with Schiff's staff ahead of time, which, by the way, is completely improper. I'm editorializing now for what Jordan wrote here, because that's not what whistleblowers do. Whistleblowers are not supposed to go to the chairman's staff unless he is there to strategize how they can indeed pull off this coup. The whistleblower is supposed to go to the inspector general, not to the staff of Adam Schiff. So that's number one. We found that out. And we also found out about this individual's political bias. Those are the only two things that have changed between then and now. So suddenly Schiff went from the whistleblower will testify to he will not testify and you will not know his identity. The whistleblower, now back to Jordan's op-ed. The whistleblower only knew about the call from the characterizations of others. He waited 18 days before filing a complaint with the inspector general. During those 18 days, the whistleblower met with Schiff's staff, but failed to disclose this communication to the inspector general 18 days later. Schiff also hid this meeting between his staff and the whistleblower. Americans understand fairness. They know when someone is getting a raw deal. The Democrats' impeachment push, based on this anonymous and secondhand complaint, is fundamentally unfair. I'm going to stop there and just point out something that should be fairly obvious to anybody who has ever um, even watched a trial or coverage of a trial or read about coverage of a trial. This, if it were a court of law, would have been dismissed out of hand. And I mean in seconds flat from a judge. You have an accuser who was not... There for what the for the crime that this individual is accusing, but was only told that a crime is committed in their minds by other people. This individual did not go to the right authorities to report said crime. This individual went to a strategizer. Which is just my, my term for what he and Adam Schiff were doing here is fund, uh, formulating a strategy on how to remove Trump from power. So went to Adam Schiff instead that 18 days later goes to the official authorities to say, Hey, I'm blowing the whistle on something here and I want my anonymity protected. And oh, by the way, did not tell that official authority, the inspector general that he met with Schiff to plan this strategy. This would be thrown out of courtroom in a, in a second, in seconds flat. But despite Schiff's biased process, four fundamental facts have not changed. Number one, that President Trump and President Zelensky affirmed there was no quid pro quo and no pressure. Understand that. Both Trump and Zelensky, the two principals on the phone call, agree. There was no pressure to do anything. No quid pro quo. Number two, the transcript of the call also shows no conditionality. Meaning, we'll only give you aid if you do X, Y, or Z. No conditionality. Number three, at the time of the call, Ukraine did not know that any security aid was being delayed. So again, there can be no pressure when there was nothing known. And number four, Ukraine never took any of the actions it was supposedly required to take, if it were a quid pro quo, uh, 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 under pressure from the president. They never took any actions, and yet they got their aid. Government whistleblowers should be protected, yes. But a fundamental tenet of due process is the ability to confront one's accuser. On a matter as grave as impeachment, Americans should assess for themselves the credibility and motivations of the individual who initiated the inquiry. That's why the whistleblower must testify under oath and in person. Now that's part of what Jim Jordan wrote. Now I want to move on to Rand Paul. First, I'm going to play a little bit of Rand Paul. He tweeted yesterday. Senator Rand Paul, who has just stepped up big time in defense of the president, and quite frankly, in defense of the presidency, because that is exactly what is at stake here. This isn't just about Donald Trump. This is about the future of the way presidents are treated in this country. Standards are being set. Precedents are being set even as we speak. Senator Rand Paul tweeted this. Watch a Democrat U.S. senator say that applying the Bill of Rights to President Trump is laughable. And then watch my response. That's what Senator Paul tweeted, and that's what I share with you now.
0: Bill, I will introduce today, will expand the Whistleblower Act, would we'll be made retroactive so Edward Snowden can come home to live in his own country. So suddenly, the Sixth Amendment right for a defendant to, comfru- to confront the accuser is being applied to impeachment proceedings. never been done before. And by doing this... The good senator from Kentucky, in my view, totally undermines the whistleblower protection. And so to call his bill the Whistleblower Protection Act of 2019 is, in my view, laughable.
1: By the way, the voice you just heard was uh, Senator Crazy Maisie, Crazy Maisie Hirono, the lunatic from
0: Hawaii. Mr. President, reserving the right to object. I'm disappointed that any senator would come to the floor and find the Bill of Rights laughable. The Sixth Amendment is an important part of our Constitution and the right to face your accusers is incredibly important. It's disappointing that in these highly partisan times that an actual U.S. senator would come to the floor and say that it's laughable that we would apply the Bill of Rights to the president. I'm very disappointed it's come to this. But I hope Americans will say and try to look at this with a more fair mind and say, Absolutely, the president deserves the same protections that the rest of us deserve, I object.
1: If um, somebody went to the police and told the police that I heard from somebody else that Bob France stole a car, what do you think the police would do? In, In any cursory investigation, they would say, okay, well, let me talk to that person who said that, and let me see what evidence that they have. If, for some strange reason, because maybe the car that was stolen was the same kind of car I drove, and if by any amount of evidence whatsoever, they wanted to bring this to a grand jury to see if I should be indicted, it would absolutely be mandatory for the person making the allegation against me to actually testify as to what they know and how they know it. And under no circumstances, either before a grand jury or in a a potential trial, would somebody making an allegation like that, which is the only evidence an eyewitness had said something, that they saw something, uh, in no way, shape, or form would that trial be allowed to proceed without testimony from that individual. No way. Otherwise, anybody could say anything about somebody else. Or not even that they saw it, but I heard from somebody else that they saw somebody committing a crime. Do you, our justice system system does not put somebody on trial for what somebody else says that somebody else saw. It just doesn't happen. It would be fundamentally unfair. That accuser must come forward with what they know. That's if I was facing three to five for carth for grand theft auto. Do you think that the standards? should be any less to remove a sitting president of the United States from office? Because that's what the Democrats are asking you to do. They're asking you to agree to remove the president from office to disavow 63 million votes or to to essentially disenfranchise 63 million voters and remove him from office based on what somebody said, that somebody else said, that they heard on a phone call. And moreover, it's to do that based upon what somebody else said, that somebody else said, that we don't we never even have to wonder about. Because the full transcript has been released. This is beyond a witch hunt, which is what the Russia collusion uh, Mueller investigation was. This is an official, modern day coup d'etat. And it must be prevented. Back right after this.
0: It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The Answer.
1: Onward at 1025 now about Brains Authority. Coming up in a few, it's going to be Dr. Jerome Corsi. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, Dr. Corsi is uh, the uh, former editor of World Net Daily. He is a best-selling author. He's an investigative journalist, and he was a political prisoner, almost, of the uh, Mueller witch hunt. We're going to talk to him about a host of issues. I want to share a little bit more from Rand Paul here. This in print, however, because Rand Paul um, uh, wrote for The Hill. Uh, about the coup d'etat that we are all facing right now, and pointing out some very important things that uh, people need to understand about the whistleblower law, about fairness, about tradition, about norms, uh, and about the Constitution, moreover. There has been has uh, been much discussion in recent days about what is appropriate regarding the whistleblower and his testimony and relevance. There has been much disinformation by partisan Democrats and their media accomplices. I want to set some of the facts straight here, writes Rand Paul. First, we must recognize what whistleblower laws are and are not intended to do. And we must think clearly and rationally about what situations they apply to. First, they are meant to protect someone's job against revenge. They help someone go outside of their chain of command. For example, say a boss in an agency gave out an improper contract. It would not be possible to go to the boss, so the system is set up so that the complaint can be heard. This isn't what's happening here. This wasn't some bureaucrat. The information revealed by the, quote, whistleblower was of a political nature and was known to dozens of people who came to a different conclusion than the whistleblower came to. In fact, what the whistleblower revealed was secondhand information that that someone in the White House illegally passed along to him. Of the dozens of people who were aware of the contents of the call, many are of the opinion that the president broke no law when he asked for an investigation of corruption concerning Hunter Biden. It hardly seems that an impeachable offense could have occurred when people privy to the same information draw different conclusions. The whistleblower's revelation, however, has resulted in an impeachment proceeding, essentially a trial of the president. If convicted, the impeachment trial could lead to criminal penalties after the president's term in office. Anonymity is not an option. When your accusations trigger criminal penalties, the Sixth Amendment guarantees the right to confront one's accusers. The witness must both face his accuser and face questions regarding his own knowledge and activities. The ability to confront and cross-examine one's accuser is a key component of our judicial process, critical to finding truth. Whistleblower statutes are a good thing, as long as they don't attempt to limit the ability to cross-examine the accuser. In the workplace, there may be whistleblowing that does not lead to a courtroom in which anonymity for the whistleblower can be maintained. But once the conflict enters a court proceeding, or in this case, an impeachment trial, fairness, tradition, and the Constitution demand that the accuser step forward face-to-face with the accused. With regard to whistleblower statutes, not only do I support them, writes Rand Paul, but I have advocated they be expanded to cover government contractors such as Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden, as we will be recalled, proudly attached his name when he released proof that James Clapper had lied about warrantless mass surveillance of Americans. These statutes are intended to prevent someone from being fired or prosecuted. The statute dictates that the inspector general not release the name, but is silent as to anyone else revealing his name. It's funny that before this particular whistleblower, many who are now criticizing my stance chose not to defend perhaps the greatest whistleblower of all time, Snowden. Minority leader Chuck Schumer said of Snowden, If Mr. Snowden had the courage of his convictions, he would come back to the country, stand trial, and tell the American people and a jury why he thought what he did was justified. It seems that Schumer's defense of whistleblowers depends upon the subject whistled. I believe it is very simple. The Sixth Amendment... Guarantee, the Sixth Amendment guarantee of confronting your accuser rather supersedes all statutes. Any whistleblower who alleges a crime ultimately will have to face their accused in court. Even the New York Times acknowledges this fact. With regard to holding aid, withholding aid, I think all foreign aid is unconstitutional. But even given today's parameters for aid, the law requires that any country that receives it must be free of corruption. One thing is certain, though, is that both sides have tried to condition aid on investigations. President Obama never gave Ukraine the lethal aid that Congress appropriated. Biden bragged that he threatened to withhold a billion dollars in aid if Ukraine didn't fire the prosecutor. Senator Robert Menendez just last year threatened Ukraine's aid if they didn't keep investigating Trump. Senator Chris Murphy in September threatened Ukraine's aid if they dared to investigate Hunter Biden. Hillary Clinton hired a foreign spy, Christopher Steele, to investigate and produce the Steele dossier. I think fairness dictates, writes Rand Paul, that all, they all be judged by the same standard. Fairness requires public testimony and cross-examination of the whistleblower. But fairness isn't in the equation right now for partisan Democrats. That, my friends, is a mic drop. We'll be back after the news. Onward we roll. It is 1036, 24 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you this morning. I will bring you three more hours of awesome tonight. I'll be uh, sitting in for the great sage of South Central, Larry Elder, on the Elder program. Live 6 to 9, airs 7 to 10 right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hopefully you can tune in for that. Roger Stone is on trial for his very freedom. Yesterday was the first day of his trial, and according to some observers, including those in Politico, this is not going to go well for him. Apparently they've already made up their mind on the verdict before the trial began, or at least after day one. Uh, but number one, uh, they say that Roger Stone is in serious trouble, and number two, they say that President Trump is going to look very, very bad as a result of this trial. Now, Roger Stone is facing this indictment and now this these charges because he refused to plead uh, to charges brought against him by the bob muller investigation one man who defied that and one is jerome corsi who faced some of the same types of accusations as roger stone he said i'm not pleading to anything prove that i have done anything wrong before you can even think about getting an indictment against me and the charges or rather the investigation of jerome corsi was dropped Jerome Corsi subsequently sued Bob Mueller and the Mueller investigation, a case that was decided last week. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer to Discuss It. Jerome Corsi is an investigative journalist. He's a senior staff writer for several conservative websites, and he's a best-selling author. His latest is about what I just described, Silent No More, How I Became a Political Prisoner of Mueller's Witch Hunt. Dr. Corsi, good to have you back, sir. How are you?
2: I'm great. It's good to be back with you. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, We're going to talk about TerraBlock in a moment. I do want to talk about the smart wall that you are uh, involved with. I think it's a brilliant concept, and I'll let you explain that that in a moment. But I think the most pressing issue here is the fact that your lawsuit, you, you declared back in March that Mueller has to pay, quote, they have to pay for this, specifically uh, the threats to lock you up along with Roger Stone and others if you didn't cooperate with uh, their investigation to their satisfaction. You called their bluff. They dropped any charges against you. You filed that lawsuit, and about a week ago uh, we were told, I think it was last Thursday, that a judge has kicked your case out of court. You can no longer proceed with this lawsuit. Uh, Can you tell us what happened?
2: Well, the the judge was very politically motivated and uh, did not – we have legitimate, I believe, First Amendment and uh, Fourth Amendment claims. I think I was illegally searched and seized uh, in terms of my electronic surveillance by Mueller. I also believe that this plea deal that they wanted me to agree to, which I refused, they wanted me to plead to a crime I did not commit. They never indicted me. So that they were trying to force me. They were suborning perjury. They wanted me right. to lie before a federal judge. I wouldn't do it. That's a violation of my free speech rights. It forced me to lie. And so uh, the judge at the district court level dismissed the case on the government's motion to dismiss, but we're going to appeal it to the Circuit Court of Appeals, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And if necessary, okay. I'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court. I think this kind of a case. There's government power that Mueller exerted. I think, was government misconduct, prosecutorial misconduct, and it's got to be stopped.
1: Can you tell me how your case um, compares to the one that Roger Stone is on trial for now? What did they allege that you did? What did they want you to plead guilty to and essentially to perjure yourself by admitting that you had done when you had not? Uh, And and how does that compare to what Roger Stone is facing?
2: Well, what they wanted me to do is to admit that... um, (laughs) I had connected with Julian Assange uh, in July and August 2016. I kind of connected the dots. We had a vacation in Italy. It was my 25th wedding anniversary, and I realized that Assange had Podesta's emails. and Mueller was certain I had to get that information from Assange and give it to Stone, but I had no contact with Assange. I've never had any contact with Assange or with WikiLeaks, and that's a fact. Uh, Roger's case, I think, is a much more technical case. It's, he um, spoke before the House Intelligence Committee under oath and claimed uh, he did not want to see Assange. Or there's various emails prior to that that, uh, that Roger Stone has on the record. The prosecutors have them, including an email that Roger sent to me in July 2016, in which Roger did want someone to go to see Assange. So uh, I, it's a very technical case that the government has against Roger, and uh, I think, again, I you know I don't want to say anything that would prejudice Roger. I'm praying for his success, uh, and um, we'll just have to see how it comes out. It's, the trial is going on right now, and uh, the government has just begun to present its uh, its case against Roger yesterday, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be a very technical case of emails, communications, and dates. And that's what Roger's going to have to demonstrate, that he you know, did not intend to lie to the House committee. And I hope, I hope he succeeds.
1: Dr. Jerome Corsi is my guest. He's an investigative journalist, a best-selling author, uh, Silent No More, How I Became a Political Prisoner of Mueller's Witch Hunt. He just described a little bit of that, obviously, as he appeals a judge's decision, a district court judge's decision to... Um, uh, uh, kick that case, to uh, to dismiss that case at the government's request. Dr. Corsi, the other reason that we have you on is I want to talk about Terablock. You have been working with a company called HESCO, I think it is, uh, an established defense contractor that, as I understand it, specializes in rapid deployment perimeter defense systems for the U.S. military around the world. Is such a perimeter defense system possible, uh, possibly, rather, the solution to our southern border problems?
2: Well, I really think it is. The company is Hesco, H-E-S-C-O. They're an established defense contractor, and they do put these rapid deployment perimeter systems in combat zones where U.S. troops are present. And this TerraBlock product, and I've been featuring it also on Twitter. My Twitter, Jerome underscore Corsi. It has a um, ability. It's modular. It's like a section and section and section. It basically is a defense perimeter. It's a wall that is kind of spring loaded. You can't, you can't climb it. You can't cut it. The surface is such that you can't get at it. And uh, it, it can resist. There's films of, from Hesco on the internet of a of truck, a big semi truck being driven 50 miles an hour. It can't penetrate this wall. It can be built for a billion dollars. They can construct it for only a billion dollars. Current projections on the steel wall are $22 billion, and I don't think Donald Trump's ever going to get that money out of Congress. It can be built and put in place by Election Day 2020. Remember, HESCO does rapid deployment, and if this system is good enough, if the Terra block system is good enough to protect our troops in combat zones, we hardly have anybody more precious than our troops in combat zones, it can certainly protect the citizens along the border from the drug cartels like this recent, this massacre, this horrible massacre of the Mormon family we just saw in Mexico, which is horrifying. We've got to get this wall built now, and the Hesco Terror Block is a solution that we're putting in front of the White House.
1: Tell me this, uh, Dr. Corsi, um, what do you mean when you say it can't be touched, the wall can't be touched, when you say it's impenetrable? It can't be cut. can't be oh, cut. Oh, it can't be cut. Okay, it, I misunderstood you then. Cut. Just to, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, then my, my other ears words, are
2: going. It's a material so, that you just cannot cut through. Which
1: the bars of some of the existing walls are being cut right now, so that's kind of well, a point of reference.
2: And it's also it's a very slippery surface. You can't grab a hold of it, and you can't pull it down because it will just spring right back up. I mean, it's a very robust, and it's a smart wall, so you've got sensors built into it. So it's a, it's an extremely effective and low-cost solution. It's, on, it, it's existing. It's a government Service Administration-approved product, and the contractor, HESCO, has a long history uh, as an established Pentagon supplier, a contractor, and specializing in these perimeter defense systems. You know, when we put our troops in a combat zone in Iraq or Syria or wherever, they've got to immediately have protection of the perimeter, and even internally when they go to the commissary or walk around the compound, it's got to be secure, and that's what HESCO does. HESCO is also currently working on the wall. They have part of the contract. So this is the this, this DOD knows all about HESCO. And this product, which I think solves the problem, because the terrain in Texas especially with the Rio Grande is rough, and this system is mobile. You can move it modular. One section gets destroyed. You just replace it with another one. Uh, and it can be done by Election Day under budget. President Trump does not have to go back to the Democrats for more money. One billion dollars. Yeah, you, you,
1: you've kind of right. sniffed out my next question about that cost. You said it was low cost a moment ago, now you're saying it, it, he doesn't have to go back for any more money, the money that he has already appropriated for the quote-unquote wall? That would be enough to build this entire thing for the entire length of the border?
2: I could put the remaining 1,200 miles, which is about what's remaining, right, could be built for, constructed for under a billion dollars. And the Army Corps of Engineers can and put it in place it can be in place with a border fully secured by election day 2020 donald trump can fulfill this campaign promise which he even spoke about last night in louisiana he was again saying we're going to build the wall and this allows it to go up now not you know years from now which is going to take to put the steel and steel barriers are going to cost 22 billion dollars minimum and I don't see Donald Trump getting that money from Congress. What, what, I'm just so curious. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm not a builder uh, or a contractor, but I'm trying to picture, uh, trying to picture what terra block is. It's not steel. It's not concrete. What, what is it? And then secondly, when you said, um, for example, if a section of it got destroyed, you can just replace the section with another, how could it be destroyed?
2: Well, I mean, whatever. A truck runs through it, you might want to repair. it. A truck, truck is blocked by it. Some of the wall is going to be damaged. You know, stopping a truck going 50 miles an hour. So you take those sections out and you put new sections in. There are pictures of it on the internet and there's videos of it, which is the best way to look at it. Hesco, just do Hesco Terrablock on the, you know, any search engine and you'll see the videos. It is a steel barrier, but the actual wall surface is more like a translucent glazed film that cannot be cut. And it's, and it's impossible really to climb because it's slippery and you can't get a grip on it. You try to throw a rope over it or it, you can have a, it could be up as high as, you know, uh, 20 or 30 feet. It's big, it comes in variable height. But if you throw a rope on it pull it down, it just springs back immediately and locks in place. So it's designed for perimeter security.
1: So I'm assuming like a grappling combat, hook, no. a, a grappling hook that might be thrown over the top would have no purchase on the other side. It wouldn't it, have any. It,
2: it's uh, not going to work. Right. It doesn't work. It's designed to defeat that kind of uh, attempt to get over it. You so know, so here's, here's my attempt.
1: question, and it's got to be the, this most simple question of all time. Why wasn't this brought to the president or has the president not considered this in three years that he's been in office? This sounds like, you know, I mean, this this entire fight that we've had with the Democrats in Congress over the last three years about funding this thing. We need twenty five billion dollars to do it the old way or the you know the way we're talking about. Uh, this has been sitting here for under a billion all this time. Why is this not why is this this just now kind of coming to light?
2: Well, it's it's really interesting. The the uh, representatives from HESCO first approached me as I was having the problems with Mueller, and I couldn't do anything about it. They asked the same question, how did this get overlooked? So now that I'm free of Mueller, I'm not going to be indicted, that's all done. Mm-hmm. I said, let's take this, let's make sure this gets in front of the president. So when they came to me, they said, we can't believe that our solution wasn't looked at, because we can solve this problem of building the complete wall within... Six months. and we can get it done now, and the money should be available right there It's in the budget. It's already been allocated, right? And it can be constructed and put in place. Watch the videos; they're very impressive. Hesco, Terra Block, and I'm looking at them used right by now. The military. Yeah, it's, you see it. I mean, it really. And you, you can watch the video there of a, of a truck trying to run through it. You can see how they demonstrate. You can't get. You can't scale across it. And it comes in variable heights. There are technical manuals about it as well on the Internet. You can see the specifications for it and how it's built. This is a government, this is a GSA approved product. It's a product that the military is already using. It just did not get into the mix when they were thinking about a wall has to be a big, you know, 35 foot steel barrier. This is a modern day military solution to securing the border that HESCO and Terrablock have developed.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it's a fascinating concept. I'm looking at it right now. My, my only question to you to wrap this up is how do we get this in front of the President's eyes or the Pentagon's eyes or his advisor's eyes or Homeland Security's eyes, whoever we have to, so that uh, you know this is known about by, by, by more than just me and you and Hesco?
2: Well, this is, you're doing a great job right now getting it out to the people. People call their congressmen, say, look at this solution. Call the White House switchboard. Leave a message. Uh, those calls make a huge difference when people start calling into Washington. They you know, look at HESCO, look at Karabok, this works. And I'm tweeting about it. Go to Jerome underscore Corsi. And uh, your show is on a tremendous service here to security on the border by making this known. And I really want to thank you for it because I think no. we, we've got to really... Is this, uh, one of the top priorities, Donald Trump knows it. Let's do his rally last night in, in Louisiana. We've got to secure the border. We can't have more massacres. The, the the drug cartels own Mexico, and they're extremely violent. We've got to make sure the criminals... You know, I've, I've sponsored families from El Salvador. Uh, I'm, I'm fully in favor of legal immigration. I think it's good for the country. Right. But I think we cannot have an open border to drug criminals And this massacre of this Mormon family makes that abundantly clear.
1: Yeah, emphasis on the word legal, and you're 100% right. We have to keep that uh, those very dangerous people on the other side of the border, and this could be the answer to that. Dr. Corsi, it's a pleasure. I, I'm so glad uh, uh, to be able to talk to you about your victory over Mueller. Uh, hopefully you'll get be victorious in the courts as well as you make your appeal, uh, even all the way up to the Supreme Court if you have to. We'll be following that every step of the way, and we'll also follow the smart wall idea as well and hopefully uh, open the eyes of some of our representatives in Congress, and I thank you so much for the time.
2: My pleasure. God bless you, and God bless the audience. Thank you very much.
1: And to you as well. Dr. Jerome Corsi joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll come right back after this on the Bob France Authority. I don't know about you, but um, I'm going to be texting a link to the TerraBlock website (laughs) to Congressman Jordan. And I'll send it to Congressman Gonzalez. I'll send it to uh, uh, to uh, Congressman Johnson. I'll send it to everybody that I can. Uh, and you should do the same thing. You know how important it would be to get this thing put up by the election if they can? Think about this for a moment. If they put up the Terra Block wall that is used to protect very important military installations around the world, they can put it up very rapidly, as you just heard Dr. Corsi say. If we could get that up to protect the entirety of the southern border, and that, of course, is you know the geographical limitations notwithstanding. There are some areas that don't need protection because of the geographical layout, right? We know this. But if we could get this entire thing put up by the election, ponder this now, and then let's say President Trump loses the election, It would be very, very interesting to see if the new Democrat president next year would literally tear down this wall. Sorry about uh, borrowing the uh, President Reagan line there. But seriously, would Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, or whomever, would they literally tear down a wall that is keeping drugs, gang members, human traffickers outside of the country? Would they tear it down to make it easier for those criminals to start coming back in? They would literally not be asked to, to, to spend any money on building a wall then. It would already exist. And would they then take the time and the effort and whatever cost it would be to deconstruct a wall to go back to the way it was? I want to have that question answered if President Trump is to lose the election. Or even if he, let's say he serves another four years, which would be the best case scenario... In 2024, if a Democrat were to win the White House, would they tear down the wall that is working to keep people out? I, I, it's got to get done by by 2020 or by the uh, November 2020. If Dr. Corsi's right, he says it could be built in six months. That's how fast they can put this stuff up, as they do as they put it around military installations in uh, combat zones around the uh, around the world. Oh my goodness gracious! That could be a game changer. We we're talking about game changing uh, uh, with the impeachment nonsense uh, with respect to the whistleblower, Eric Charmella, whose name is known to a lot of people but isn't being spoken about by many. Uh, but uh, the game changer is that his attorney, his uh, tweets have been exposed or unearthed from uh, March of this year in which he declared that the coup is underway. The coup is underway and we will find a way to impeach him. And now we know that his client, Eric Charmella, was part of that coup as he went to um, Adam Schiff's staff 18 days before going to the inspector general, which is what a real, quote-unquote, whistleblower must do. That's going to do it for us. That's a game changer, too. I have only begun to talk, just so you know. If I can borrow a famous line. I have only begun to talk. I've got three more hours of discussion of these important issues on the program tonight, uh, sitting in for Larry Elder. So, uh, if you are normally listening to The Sage from seven to 10 on AM 1420, The Answer, keep listening to him tonight. I will be sitting in for him and we'll talk about this at length. Hopefully going to get Kirstenau on the program for that one as well. But that's all the time we've got. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a very blessed day. We'll talk to you tonight on Elder. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence